Welcome to Rebel Roundup, ladies and gentlemen, and the rest of you, in which we look back at some of the very best commentaries of the week by your favorite rebels. I'm your host, David Menzies. Inexplicably, the Alberta government continues its perverse war against Chris Scott, the owner of the Little Whistle Stop Cafe in Mirror, Alberta. Sheila Gunn-Reed has all the latest details on this David versus Goliath battle. And get this, folks, Goliath, a.k.a. the Alberta government, is now playing dirty. And our newest Rebel News reporter, Alexa Lavoie, recently checked out a COVID-approved venue for a music concert in Trois-Rivières, Quebec. It may be new, but trust us, it sure isn't improved. And letters, we get your letters. We get them every minute of every day. And you had plenty to say about my recent visit to Peterborough, Ontario. That's the place where cops will give you a ticket for handshaking or laughing. No, I'm serious, folks. But if you are a handshaking and laughing crew member of a CBC production being filmed in Peterborough, then suddenly it's a matter of nothing to see here, folks. Move along, move along. But why? Those are your rebels. Now let's round them up. Sheila Dunreed for Rebel News, and I'm here today to report a breaking and urgent verdict in the case of the contempt hearing for Chris Scott of the Whistle Stop Cafe. Justice Adam Germain, just this morning, found small town business owner Chris Scott guilty of breaching a May 6th court order that restrained him from organizing, participating, or promoting illegal public gatherings, which in Alberta at the time meant protests against the lockdown restrictions and church services when neither of those things conformed perfectly to public health orders regarding social distancing, masking, or capacity limits. You could protest the government, you just couldn't do it with a bunch of people to show the government how many of you were mad. Now, for those of you who don't know, Chris Scott is the owner of the Whistle Stop Cafe in beautiful Mirror, Alberta. Population, give or take, approximately 500 people. Scott reopened his restaurant in defiance of the lockdowns back in January, and he's been fighting for freedom ever since with the help of Rebel News's viewers and our largest civil liberties initiative to date, fightthefines.com, where we put people like Chris Scott in touch with lawyers like Chad Williamson from Williamson Law at no cost to the client to help them fight their lockdown tickets and summonses and, I guess in this case, contempt allegations in court before a judge. Now, immediately after Chris Scott reopened his restaurant back in January, he came under constant, constant police surveillance and Alberta Health Services inspections. And Chris Scott was very nearly thrown in jail once before for his act of defiance. However, this time the government preemptively got a court order in secret, preventing Chris Scott from holding a 1500 person protest against the lockdown at his restaurant that the government had seized from him and chained up in the very same week. You see, the government couldn't make Chris close his doors through threats, so they physically seized the property, the building, including his gas station and convenience store, and his campground and his restaurant, resulting in collective punishment for the entire town of Mirror, whose closest convenience store was 20 kilometers away. Friends, the government literally got a court order restraining a small business owner from protesting the restraints 
the government put on his business. They got a court order because they wanted him to stop being mad about the government making him go broke. And then when Chris Scott protested anyway, the government threw him in jail for three full days. And I think I'm glossing over the sleaziest part of all of this. The government got their May 6th court order completely in secret. The government failed to inform the court that Chris Scott was represented by a lawyer named Chad Williamson. But the government also failed to inform Chad Williamson, someone the government knows full well exists, that there were legal proceedings against his client. Now, the terrible news out of a court in Calgary today is that Justice Adam Germain found that Chris Scott was guilty of contempt and that the government's case met the three criteria for contempt. And those are that the person and the act being restrained in the order was clear, that the person had adequate service of the order, and that the person named in the order intended to breach the order. Well, there you have it, folks. The Alberta government continues its war against the little whistle-stop cafe. And even worse, they are now playing dirty, apparently. How disturbing, how downright despicable is that? And joining me now regarding the latest egregious actions that have been taken against whistle-stop owner Chris Scott is Sheila Gunn-Reed. How you doing there, Sheila? I'm great, David. Thanks for having me on the show. It is always a pleasure, my friend. So, Sheila, I was really enraged by your latest report. I was very much hoping for a modicum of justice for Mr. Scott. Instead, the judge seems to be buying into the government's perverse position that the Whistle Stop Cafe is, oh, I don't know, some sort of super spreader venue, even though there is absolutely no evidence to suggest that this is indeed the case. Sheila, what the heck is really going on here? Well, there's not just evidence to suggest that that it's not the case. There's actually evidence on the flip side of that. So, um, as you know, the whistle stop, what really got Chris in trouble this time is that he held a 1,500-person strong protest in the teeny tiny town of Mirror. Like, the whole town was there, plus people from all around. Uh, they came to support Chris because that week, not only did the government get this secret court order against him without telling his lawyer that they were seeking a court order against him, but also without telling the judge that Chris was represented by a lawyer. And it's funny because after the fact, they were able to hit Chris's lawyer with a copy of the injunction. So they definitely knew how to get a hold of him that within minutes of the injunction being granted, they got Chris's lawyer a copy. So don't tell me you don't know how to get a hold of that guy or that he exists. But they failed to tell the judge. That's one of the procedural issues that they're appealing right now or doing their best to appeal, trying to appeal. But with evidence to the flip side, Chris held a protest of 1,500 people in defiance of the lockdown restrictions. I was there. No social distancing, um, no masks, just a bunch of freedom, having fun, good food, and also not a mass casualty event. So not only is there, like, there's no evidence to support that this idea that Chris is a danger to the public, there's actually evidence to the contrary that what he was doing has not put the public in any sort of danger whatsoever. And, and you know, Sheila, when you're talking about over 1,500 people in that little area, uh, that's, uh, that's a pretty big protest, I would imagine. And I can understand why, because as you mentioned in your video, 
This jihad against Chris Scott, it's not just against him, but the entire community is being penalized. They've been robbed of their diner. They've been robbed of their gas pumps. They have to travel far away uh, for those services. Did that ever enter into the consideration of the authorities in terms of how they were hurting the community at large? No, it's it's been at least my firsthand experience while I'm there when the cops come and AHS would come while I was sitting in the gas station convenience store part because there was no spots for me in the packed diner all the time. But they really don't care about this community. Chris cares about his community. He he likes to be a part of the community. He likes his customers. Um you don't buy a little tiny gas station in the middle of nowhere if you don't like the town where it is. Um, and it was really vindictive what the government did, not only to Chris, but to this entire town. It really is collective punishment because the closest gas station and convenience store after Chris's place is 20 kilometers up the road. But even more uh, vindictive, for some reason, they chained up the campground that Chris also has on site there. And there could not be a more socially distant activity than camping outside. Like you're literally outside. And they chained that up, too, because also somehow that was a super spreader event. I mean, it was really just everything that they could do to break this man by chaining up his businesses. And when they couldn't, they got a court order. And then when that didn't stop them, they took away three days of his liberty. Just incredible. And <clears throat> Sheila, I agree with you. The um, That business about chaining up the campground, that had nothing to do with health and safety. That had nothing to no. do with justice. As you said, it's the V word, vindictiveness. This is the government um, being spiteful, for lack of a better term. And <clears throat> speaking of the government, Sheila, I mean, you've forgotten more about Alberta than I'm ever going to learn. <laughs> but I assume that in this community, that is it wrong for me to assume that these are or were Jason Kenney supporters? These were UCP voters, um, because that's the other inexplicable thing here why they'd be targeted. But then again, as uh, Mr. Kenny allegedly said several weeks ago, I, he wants a new base. Yeah, careful what you wish more for, because you just <laughs> might get it. Um, that's the thing. Rural Alberta, and especially this part of rural Alberta, it's some of the most conservative parts of not just Alberta, but this entire country. But this is deep blue conservative country. These are reliable federal conservative voters who have not said a word about what's happening to small businesses in rural Alberta who stand up to Edmonton lockdowns. Um, but these were Jason Kenney voters. And so many of them that I talked to because I was there at the whistle stop for weeks on end, they all told me we supported Jason Kenney. Some of them were on UCP boards um, that I talked to, and they said that they were absolutely opposed and appalled at the actions of the government, that this was not what they voted for, that, that this Jason Kenney is not the Jason Kenney campaigning in a blue truck in small town Alberta. Wow. You know, uh, Premier Kenny better hope that rural Albertans have very short memories heading into an election year. Um, 
one last thing, Sheila, on July 1st, Dominion Day, Alberta relaxed the rules. Uh, you can now go into a restaurant, uh, the interior of a restaurant, as opposed to just a patio. Since this is basically what uh, the whistle stop was doing, um, can't, can't we just move on? Can't this just be dismissed? Because this is now the new normal in Alberta in a legal way, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, we move into stage three reopening, which is basically the lifting of all restrictions, unless you live in the um, onerous failed city state of Calgary, where the mayor there wants you to wear masks until the end of the month while everybody else is lifting them. I guess if you live in one of the bedroom communities and you have a business in one of the bedroom communities of Calgary, good for you, because you're going to get a lot of people who mm. want to utilize your businesses without a mask. Um uh, but yeah, I mean, we're in court this week again We're with Chris Scott and Chad Williamson because they are trying to appeal the procedure by which this uh, secret court order was sought and, and won against Chris. And that's why, even though uh, restrictions are being lifted, we must keep fighting because there are legal ramifications downstream of this. If an agency of the government can go before a judge and fail to tell a judge that you're represented by a lawyer and also fail to tell your lawyer that they know about, that they know how to get a hold of, that they are seeking a court order against you that could result in your incarceration, this has to be stopped. This is, this is actual tyranny, that the government can throw out your right to be represented by a lawyer and know the, um, what's happening regarding yourself in the court of law, it has to be stopped because if they can do this to Chris Scott, they can do it to anybody for any reason. You're 100% right, Sheila. And this is what made me so enraged about your story. Chris Scott going up against the government of Alberta, that is a David versus Goliath story. Oh, yeah. But the added twist here is Goliath is playing dirty. Goliath is being a, a, a trickster on top of the inherent advantage. Yeah. Uh, it, what do you make of this? Why? It seems that this is almost personal for the government yeah. to convict this guy. And I don't understand the reason for the vindictiveness. Well, that's clearly <clears throat> what's happening here because there's been no health issue, right? There's been no super spreader event that came from this restaurant that has operated at full capacity since January, held events, held protests all the time, not a single case. So it's not a health issue that's driving this uh, court proceeding. Um, they took away his business. They tried to break him that way. It's that Chris Scott will not be brought under the government's thumb. And it, I mean, the government is throwing literally everything they have at him and the kitchen sink. It's government-funded AHS lawyers up against our Fight the Fines crowdfunded lawyer. And we're doing well up against them. We're making strong arguments. But it is vindictive that they would spend all these government resources to ruin a man on the basis of public health when he's never called, caused a public health crisis. However, the government did put him in a facility where they did have a public health crisis, if you want to call a coronavirus outbreak that.
Unbelievable. Well, Sheila, a great report. Just goes to show you once again, the most oft-repeated lie in history is the phrase, hi, I'm from the government. I'm here to help you. Uh, that blows away. The check, in, check is in the mail. And it's almost as bad as we're all in this together. But what madness out in rural Alberta. And thank goodness there's someone like you, so hardworking and talented oh. to cover it. So thank you again, Sheila. And you have a wonderful weekend. Thanks, David. That's very nice. Have a great weekend, too. You, too. And that was Sheila Gunn-Reed somewhere in the northern hinterland of Alberta. Keep it here. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. Hey, Alexa, for Ribbon News. So after last night with the Canadian, now I'm in Trois-Rivières. So today is the launch of the Festivois at Trois-Rivières. First music festival since the pandemic. In order to respect the sanitary rule, they therefore build different enclosure to allow bubble of two to four people to watch the show. This type of event was inspired by festival that took place in England during the pandemic. Curiously, during the match of the Canadian of Montreal, the sanitary rules are not taken into consideration. But for music festival, the risks are higher. This festival usually welcomes more than 20,000 people on more than 16 stages scattered over various heritage sites. With the new sanitary measure, festivals are allowed to host a maximum of 3,500 people. Despite everything, the festival decided to install three stages in total with a capacity of 1,550 people per evening. Social distancing is required with enclosure for the main stage yellow line to delimit the perimeter to be respected for the second and table two meter apart for the third stage. In total, group of two to four people are allowed to be together. Security will be mandated to maintain sanitary order during the evening. So do you find it normal that the day before in Montreal, I found myself in a crowd of more than 20,000 people without any health measure. And that does not alert anyone, not even Mr. Aruda, but that the risk is increased when we talk about a music festival organized by Hydro-Québec and Loto-Québec. So what is the difference between these gatherings? Where is the consistency in what is happening right now? Do you think that the health emergency is essential to be maintained? No outbreak in Quebec despite these huge gatherings, and yet the government wants to keep this anti-democratic emergency in order to be careful and all this for the health of people.
So, folks, how are you digging the new, the so-called new normal so far? Just leave it to the government and the bureaucracy to eradicate the enjoyment and fun from events such as rock concerts because, well, it's all about the science, you see. Oh, how I pine for the good old days, a.k.a. 2019. And joining me now with more on this story is our newest Rebel News reporter, and that would be Alexa Lavoie. How are you doing there, Alexa? I'm pretty good, and you? I'm doing great. So, Alexa, first of all, let's touch upon the, the hypocrisy here. Concerts have to severely limit their attendance so that there won't be a COVID outbreak. Yet, as you point out in your video, when tens of thousands of Montreal Canadiens fans celebrate in the streets, suddenly the ticket-happy members of the Montreal Police Service, well, they put away their ticket books and look the other way. How do you make sense of that other than, I guess, Alexa, the Wuhan virus is a supporter of the Canadians and therefore wouldn't dare infect the celebrating HAB fans? But actually, I'm not surprised when we see... Um our Prime Minister, um, Monsieur Legault, wearing his uh, Canadian shirt really <laughs> proudly. So I'm sure that the virus uh, doesn't really care about if it's a music festival or like a game of Montreal. But uh, when we see that I was in the last game of, uh, of Montreal last Thursday, and I was like with 20,000 people in the street gathering all together without masks, without the distanciation. And uh, I'm going at this festival that is in Trois-Rivières that you need to be in a kind of kind of pen to watch the show. That for me make no sense. Absolutely no sense. No, and you know, the Montreal riot police, Alexa, they love to get their hands dirty, whacking and stacking people. You know that by bitter experience being pepper sprayed. Yeah. But suddenly uh, when there's a, a, a mass amount of people, uh, they look the other way, I guess, talk about herd immunity. But getting back to Festival, uh, and I hope I pronounce that uh, correct, um, you know, it, it just seems so odd to me that um, a festival, Alexa, that you noted normally caters to more than 20,000 people is now capped at 3,500. Yet this is an outdoor festival. I assume it's mostly young and healthy people. What is the science dictating that particular number? Uh, why 3,500? Why not 10,000? Why not 7,000, etc.? Where is the science here, Alexa? So mostly, uh, what I was able to observe the first day, it was people in all age, all age. So I saw like people around 60, 50, 40, and 30. Uh, in, in the group of people who was going to the show, and uh, I think it's just because, okay, this festival is made by Lotto Quebec and uh, Hydro Quebec. That is the two big company who are run by the government. So it's something different that is uh, the Canadian that is not run by the same uh, kind of company. So uh, I think um, they need to respect the rule for sure, like the example. But what the girls say to me when I, I went to the festival, it's, uh, it's a kind of test 
of the probably the new normality for festival now. You know, it's funny, Alexa, because if this very same festival was being held, say, in Florida, you would have more than 20,000. I mean, I think what I'm getting at, it just makes a mockery of this so-called science directive when it seems to be that those health bureaucrats in charge seem to have an opinion that the science changes depending on which jurisdiction uh, you're in. Another thing I want to ask you, Alexa, because uh, I, I know recently there was a Foo Fighters concert in Madison Square Garden, which was uh, jammed to the rafters in New York City. But to get into the concert, you had to have your vaccination. Uh, this is the so-called emergence, I would imagine, of the so-called vaccine passport. For this festival, are you allowed to go to it if you haven't been vaccinated? So yeah, for this festival, you are allowed to go inside if you are, are not vaccinated, but you need to wear your mask, keep your social distancing, and um, you need to be really like careful. Um, but in this uh, newspaper this morning, they're actually talking about the vaccination passports from now to see the Canadian of Montreal thing. Wow. And, you know, Toronto had its first vaccination passport event on May 31st. That was uh, game seven of the uh, opening round against the Montreal Canadiens. They only allowed 350 predominantly healthcare workers into Scotiabank Arena, a.k.a. the factory of sadness, as I like to call it. And um, you had to be vaccinated. So I think, you know, Alexa... I think this is a sign of things to come, unfortunately. Uh, this used to be dismissed as conspiracy stuff, but I think that in the years to come, whether it's going to a rock concert, a hockey game, getting on board an Air Canada flight, unless you have your vaccination, uh, you're not going to be allowed to take part in these activities. We are going to have two classes of citizens in this country. What are your thoughts on that? So my thought is, I don't understand why the government need. It wants to separate the the people, and that is not their goal. They should actually bring everybody together. So the question is, why they want to do this? Because usually, when you separate people from other, you can take the power against them. So the the question is. It's not no more that they want to create two kind of people. The people who need to show their paper and the the other one who, because they, they follow the rules and they follow the vaccination, they, they can do whatever they want. But the thing is, since they get vaccinated, everybody, they, they need to respect and the, the social distancing. They need to wear the mask. They need to do the same, same thing that the other people who, doesn't get the vaccine. So it doesn't make sense. And especially because now they are talking that the vaccinated people are not immune against the Delta. So yes. why they took the, the vaccine from? No, 100%. And Alexa, one last question before we wrap. I, I just find it very perverse in a way that when you look at um, 
when it comes to the feminists out there who for decades, when it comes to the abortion debate, they always chant the same thing, my body, my choice. And yet, where are these people right now when it comes to the vaccine? I don't see anyone on the left saying, my body, my choice. It's quite the opposite. As a woman, what are your thoughts on that? So me, I'm really into my body, my choice. And it's why I'm fighting right now. Um, and it's why I'm now a part of Rebel because I think it's something that we should take in consideration. Um, I don't understand why the people now are more are so blind. I think they have been brainwashed since uh, the beginning of the pandemic, uh, because in all TV, it was only one point of view, and always like you need to be careful. It's very dangerous. You need to be careful, and uh, people die everywhere. And so people don't really um, reflect correctly. And they, they just follow what they have been told to do. You know what, Alexa, we'll have to leave it at that. I, I agree with you 100% about the brainwashing, the indoctrination. When I'm in downtown Toronto on a beautiful sunny day and I see a young, healthy person walking around with a mask and a face shield on, I am just staggered. It's almost, I think now, given what we know about the virus, given that we know who it affects the worst, namely the elderly with uh, health conditions and long-term care facilities, it's almost like the rest of the people are stating with this kind of PPE on them that I believe in big government. I believe in lockdowns. This is my symbol uh, showing my allegiance. So anyways, Alexa, Fantastic report, as always, and thank, thank you. you so much for joining me. You have a great weekend, my friend. Thank you, you too. Bye-bye. Okay. Thank you. And that was Alexa Lavoie in Quebec. Keep it here, folks. More of Rebel Roundup to come right after this. I think it's my duty as a citizen to report a potential super spreader event. In other words, people handshaking and laughing on the set of Murdoch Mysteries. I can't service you with no mask on. Oh, what was that, sir? Sorry. I can't service you with no mask on. No. Oh, oh, okay. The, the royal wave there. I have no idea what you're talking about. I have no idea. You, you know when people laugh, sir, or they shake hands, uh, you know, when they're greeting? I have no idea what you're talking about. You've never heard of that? Does the virus know? Different place. Oh, yeah. are, are you really that afraid? Yeah, because we're in a pandemic right now. Oh, okay. And good. you have your mask off. So. That's right, because I'm in the mask off area. I think I saw two people giggling. Yes, hi, it's for police, please. We have spotted people uh, laughing and shaking hands. Why is that a race of footage of me? Oh, why is that? Because I didn't give you permission. Do you know basic laws? Uh, yeah, we don't need permission in a public place. <laughs> <laughs> All right, you'll be hearing from me in some comments. Okay, I'm sorry I triggered you. Don't video me. My name is Happiness. Okay. I'm the COVID. And also, your happiness? Yeah, so I'm the COVID guy. We saw people handshaking and laughing. Got it. And we're just wondering, I, I, I believe that's against the law in Peterborough. Oh yes, hi, Staff Sergeant McLean. What does it feel like to be named Canada's worst police officer, sir? David Menzies for Rebel News here in Peterborough. Well, folks, we were tipped off that an episode of Murdoch Mysteries is being filmed here. 
it's a CBC production, so I have absolutely no idea what Murdoch Mysteries is. Uh, but adding to the mystery is we were told that there are scenes involving handshaking and laughter in the script. And as you well know, folks, handshaking and laughter is verboten in Peterborough. Yes, Staff Sergeant Dan McLean will give you a ticket, as he gave me back in April at the um, anti-lockdown rally. Uh, Maxime Bernier and Randy Hillier also received tickets like that. So, During a pandemic and following the legislation as, as according to the law and what it states under the Reopening Ontario Act, as far as um, the law and what the law states, regarding maintaining two meter uh, physical distancing. And if you can't uh, do that, then you, you have to wear a mask. Yeah, well, I, oh, is I that what you're referring to? Is that what you're referring that, to, sir? That is, that is exactly what I'm referring oh, to. Th are you aware of what the law, the Reopening Ontario Act states with respect to uh, physical and social distancing? And I've read the law, I've read the law. What, can you explain to me what the law, um, um, states with respect to social distancing and physical distancing? Now, that's a weird question to ask me. He's the cop. I'm just curious what the rules are when it comes to handshaking and laughter in the Democratic People's Republic of Peterborough these days. If you're doing it organically or naturally with somebody at an anti-lockdown rally, is that a ticket in the hundreds or even thousands of dollars? But if you're doing it as play acting, as part of, say, a Murdoch Mysteries taping, is that okay? And if so, why so? Spoiler alert, folks, not a single member of the cast and crew of Murdoch Mysteries received a ticket while filming last week in Peterborough, even though there was handshaking and laughter galore. How odd, because back in April, yours truly and PPC leader Maxime Bernier and MPP Randy Hillier, we were all given tickets for committing such egregious crimes against humanity as handshaking and laughing. Funny that, there was about a thousand people at that rally, but by sheer coincidence, I guess, Peterborough police were only handing out tickets that day to media and political types who have now been deemed persona non grata by the establishment. Hmm. So maybe that April ticket writing crusade had less to do with public safety and more to do with politics. And naturally a CBC production gets to break the rules because well, our state broadcaster is so beloved by Justin Trudeau, AKA CBC's sugar daddy. Oh, to quote the wicked witch of the West in meltdown mode, what a world, what a world. In any event, you had plenty to say about the double standards and hypocrisy that were on display in that banana republic known as Peterborough last week. Sheldon Berg writes, David Menzies should get an award and a million dollars for doing this reporting. The CBC should get masked permanently, never to broadcast their fourth grade TV shows and crazy postmodern propaganda again. Well, hey, thanks, Sheldon, but we live in Justin Trudeau's Canada. The only people getting checks in the millions of dollars are former terrorists like Omar Cotter. James B. writes, 
Anyone notice the cops were not wearing masks inside the cop station? Oh, we noticed, James B. And yet again, it's one law for thee, one law for me when it comes to those who are enforcing the law. Huh, so much for leading by example, eh? Razier writes, though CBC actors seem horribly humorless and depressed. David is a legend for actually reporting this to 911. Uh, I'm laughing my ass off. Funniest thing is that the dispatcher actually took the call seriously. You know, you're correct, Razier. I thought I was going to receive a tongue lashing from the dispatcher. You know, what do you mean you're observing people laughing and shaking hands? Get a life, will you? But no, no. My call was received as a legit COVID grievance in Peterborough. This city must have a disproportionate number of COVID Karens ratting out their neighbors, and the Peterborough police are only too happy to write tickets for such bogus offenses. Unless you're employed by the CBC, of course. <laughs> Pathetic. BK writes, LOL, Dan McLean has the quick wit of someone who was just repeatedly smacked up the head with a two by four. How is a man with such low cognitive function earning that kind of salary? Indeed, BK, this staff sergeant is raking in more than 140,000 per year plus benefits for handing out tickets to those who are laughing and shaking hands never has so much been paid for so little. Deplorable Island Girl writes, David, you're one of the reasons I love Rebel News. Please, please do not ever leave, thanks. Well, Deplorable Island Girl, your wish is my command. Besides, where or oh, where would I go? Mobster Hipster writes, LMAO at the mask off smoking area. So you take your mask off to smoke cigarettes that destroy your lungs while you are afraid of so-called super bad respiratory virus. LOL, this is their science? Indeed, mobster hipster, most of the people on that set seem to be relatively young and healthy, meaning that there was virtually zero risk they would be done in by the Wuhan virus. But smoking cigarettes, well, that's ingesting a product that, when used as directed, will shorten or even end your life. <laughs> Genius! And First Pro JKH writes, I used to avoid rebel news because I was always taught you are racist and fake news. Now I realize the people who were telling me that are the real racists and fake news. Keep doing what you are doing, Rebel News. You guys are a national treasure. You know what, First Pro, JKH? Your letter is a national treasure, although we still have another six months to go until this year is toast. Your letter is my favorite letter of 2021 thus far. Invariably, when I get into a discussion with those who dislike Rebel News, I always ask them what sins we have committed, and they can never offer a tangible answer. Like yourself, they've been told to hate Rebel News, and they do so without even watching a single minute of content on Rebel News. But you, First Pro, JKN, JKH rather, you have pulled back the curtain and discovered the truth. Welcome aboard and congratulations. Well, that wraps up another edition of Rebel Roundup. Thanks so much for joining us. See you next week. And hey, folks, never forget, without risk, there can be no glory. Good night.